0: Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew Support so pour a glass of craft beer, we can do this. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, And welcome to episode 54 of Beer and Out Shit Podcast. And today, we're in Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Scott. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Who would have thunk it? That's amazing. Uh, I'm here with Scott Sawaski, the brewer here at Peg Brew Co. Mate, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you as well. Thank you for welcome. having us. Thank you. It's a fantastic establishment you have here. Thank you. Um, I haven't been to Winnipeg since 2014, so uh, a lot's changed, it Th- seems. Things Things
1: have changed a lot here in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back to a little over a year ago, you know, really only two breweries here in Winnipeg, Fort Garry and Half Pints. Wow. Um, right now we're looking at, ooh, I believe right now there's eight breweries in Winnipeg. with a couple others slated to open in the very, in the very in the near future. future.
0: That's fantastic, mm-hmm. and that's in the last Three years then, so
1: six breweries in three years. As is is a... more accurately, it would be six breweries in, in a year. A year. A, oh yeah. Just just over a year ago, there were still wow. only two breweries. When in did it. you open? Uh, we opened our doors in I think late March, early April. Uh, that was restaurant only, so front of house opened. Okay. Uh, allowed us time to do the construction here in the back. We've been brewing since September. Wow, that's crazy.
0: So here, it's actually a uh, so it's a brew pub
1: and a restaurant. Brew pub and a restaurant. A uh, very, very fun place to be a part of. Um, our owner, Nicole Berry, um, assembled the team very early on. So, it was like, you know, myself, other brewers, uh, sales staff, kitchen staff, we did a lot of the construction here at Peg Beer. Yep. Uh, you know, specialty trades doing electrical plumbing and stuff, but we did all the framing, table building, bar building. Amazing. So, it was really fun to be part of that from, from day one. That's awesome, man. Very, mm-hmm. very cool to see that. I was actually just talking to Colin, who was, uh, we, we met here actually in 2014, mm-hmm.
0: the marketing director, is that right? When call you the director your marketing director? Sales marketing manager. Manager? I like director better. Master drywaller? Yes, he was just telling me. Yeah. So he was saying as well. Like you guys have all been like a part of the 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 building of the place, which and is. It, and uh, it
1: works out really well. Like cool. part of being a brewer, you really are a jack of all trades. Yeah. You know, you know, a pump breaks down mid-brewing, you can't leave that brewer the next day. You you no. learn how to fix it early days. Your mill breaks, you know, so it's, it's a very natural fit. Like yeah. we were kind of comfortable doing construction. We learned a lot as we went and right. So it's you a of, very very natural fit, and I think it, it it
0: improves the um, that not improves, but kind of like gives you more of a sense of
1: ownership over the place, a sense of ownership, and it really kind of adds to our story. Yeah. You know, we all we get kind of met each other, we all kind of knew each other to some degree, and we all kind of. We all want to be part of the team so much, you know, that we are willing to come, you know, go home covered in drywall dust, yeah. you know, for months on end, and you know, working these long <laughs> days just to be a part of it from day one. And, That's awesome, mm-hmm. and it, it makes a difference in like the morale and the vibe of the, absolutely, the team, Absolutely, right? absolutely. That's awesome. You know, there's very much um, an atmosphere here where you know everyone's willing to jump in for each other. You know, people learning different rules of the job. You know, whether it's us jumping into the bar and learning how to do things or you know, having a bar staff come in and like check the carbonation, like the pressure of our tank, it helps carbonate a beer if we want to move a beer out really quick. And, That's you know, awesome. really trying to get everyone involved. And, you know, there's been talk recently of servers wanting to learn the brewing process. So bringing people in on brew days and helping them contribute as well. It's awesome. So growing this, this skill set within the team. So that, absolutely. Like, everyone absolutely.
0: to help out. That's awesome, man.
1: Uh, I'm staring at this growler here. I, I think we should open it. This I think is, we should. This is, this is Dazzle Ship, our, our IPA here. Um, 6.8% ABV, in in many ways very classic, a combination of Chinook Columbus and Centennial hops. Um, Nice,
0: smells nice and hoppy.
1: Uh, How many beers do you guys
0: have um, available? Like, do you have like a regular rotation? Beautiful pour.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, Ish. Um, You know, one of the nice things with not packaging and having a brew pub is we, we can change our beers as we want. We might be inspired by Indian and brew beers. So right right now we have on average about 67 beers on tap at a given time. Okay. Uh, very much a work in progress here. We're kind of building up to having more on tap time, but. So it's always uh, we, we, it's like foundational? Like the, the foundational beers at this point would be our, our Dazzle Ship IPA, our Life Coach Session IPA. Uh, very fun beer because we, we do like to play with senses a little bit. Um, Dazzle ship being at six point eight percent doesn't yeah. necessarily drink as a six point eight percent beer. Right. Whereas our session IPA, we tried to brew with as much body as possible to drink big. It's sessionable in terms of alcohol, not necessarily like in terms flavor. of flavor. Tough, so it's
0: tough to uh, like actually achieve that, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: But it's a fun part of the process. You know, it's like yeah. you know, a small beer doesn't need to drink small. A big beer doesn't need to drink big, right? So it's just kind of playing with those perceptions a little bit. And I love it. Well, mate, mm-hmm.
0: pleasure. Cheers. To get it in you what I do. I like to do this during the podcast because it's mm-hmm. more fun. We take photo. Because okay. I review the beer, I will review it after. <laughs> okay, so it's fuzzy. Alright. Thank you for, no, for dealing with that nonsense. Mm. So Scott, the people want to know,
1: how did you end up uh, end up here? I have a really odd story how I really became a brewer. Uh, like part of it's been homebrewing. Homebrew for probably about 14 years at this point. Always been obsessed with how to do things. You know, I, grew, right. I grew up in a small town. You know, whether it was learning how to fix the car or how to bake bread or pies. How do I do this from scratch? Right. And that's, you know, getting, you know, being a, being a young drinker, you know, part of you want to save money as well. And part of just being interested in obsession. So I started homebrewing. Okay. Now, 2017, 10 years ago, I moved to Korea. And that's really where I learned to brew. Right. You shouldn't go to Korea to learn how to make beer. <laughs> but that's where I learned no, how to no. do it. Uh, they, they're not really known for their beer scene. It's, they right. don't make great beer. So I lived on a small peninsula off the main island. Sorry, right. a small island off the main peninsula. Okay. And there happened to be a small brew pub on this island run by right. a German brewer. Uh, he was there. He had a Korean wife. Right. Uh, left, you know, left Europe to go be in Korea because that's where she wanted to be with her family. Now, he took me under his wing there. I thought I was a good brewer when I moved there. Um, I gave him a few beers, and he tore my beers apart. He helped me, <laughs> essentially like, you'll correct a lot of bad habits I had early days. Right. And I brewed and brewed and brewed. He tore them apart, I brewed again, and eventually tore them apart a bit less and a bit less. And started to get more confident, at which point I had my own tap at a bar there for a while, like wow. under the table. Of course. You know, I was living there as a teacher. Right. You know, And the, the life of an English teacher overseas is um, you get a fair bit of money, you only work a couple hours a day. So yeah. you know, I was working three hours a day, so I had a lot of time to really develop my hobbies. So I was, I was playing awesome. a little bit with cheese making, a little bit with curing meats, but really into beer. Wow. So, you know, did that for a while. Came back to Canada about five years ago now. Mm-hmm. And at which point I started, you know, I, I did a bit of training through like the Siebel Institute, like, just their kind of core program, you know, partially because, you know, Bootlegging in Asia doesn't look great on the old resume. If that's if that's really what you want to get into, right? So that's really how I got my start. You know, I was it wasn't really ever wasn't I ever making money off beer there, but you know, kind of doubling costs so I could, you know, if every beer I provided somewhere, I could you know brew it for myself, and my friends for free, so I could really right. kind of afford to get that volume out and really kind of kind of practice the craft a little bit. It's amazing. So no formal so,
0: training whatsoever. It was literally home brewing and home feedback brewing and, the...
1: and well, yeah, feedback. But he he had a, a small. Like five hex system there, so he let me brew on that, and he kind of took me under his wing there. Right. So I, I did learn on his equipment a little bit. That's as pretty well. cool. Like
0: rather than just like the five gallon buckets, you got the five hect sort of like yeah. uh, a much larger like a pilot. Would that be considered a pilot system? Or not, that...
1: not there. Um, you know, he was very much catering to other teachers living there, so he had a it was a full setup for him. But right. So is that equivalent? Is there any? These are much bigger. I'm the, the, these are much bigger as well. Like, these will hold up to up to eighteen hectoliters, so like a third of the size of okay. One of these so kinds okay. Is it one of those ones like? You can get those ones, that maybe a little
0: wider than this table, and they're kind of like, these two of them on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very, very much so. They're awesome. They they work really well, and it's essentially the exact same thing. It's it's just volume you're dealing with. Right. Yeah, so it's it's not your typical how it became a brewer's story, but it's a very, very fun path. How I, about, I, how
0: I took this route, and is there anything you learned in Korea that you feel is contributing to your like success here? You know, now you're running this like, brewery. I, like, is there anything, or maybe even as opposed to contribute to success, that has given you knowledge that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have uh, acquired in Canada? Say, N-
1: not nothing in terms of technique, but may- maybe a little more of the. Um, you know, learn to do things on your own type aspect. Like, like there, they I believe it was a 275% tax on foreign malt there. It really to protect the big companies and stop right. small breweries from coming up. So you learned how to do things from scratch a little bit. You know, so I started playing with things like, I, I'd buy the malt, but like, can I learn how to, can I malt it by myself? Um, luckily for me, a lot of Korean homes have uh, floor heating, okay. so I just started playing with floor malting. I, I, I emptied all the furniture in my living room, you know, laid down some tarps, and played with malting a little bit. So hang on, so you, you poured the crushed grain <coughs> on a heated floor. Well, it was, its not crushed like the way malting works. Essentially, you're you're, you're germinating the barley to oh, this you know is before you crush So, so this yeah. is the malting stage, just to see if I could do that. it. You know, so I, so I, so I malted a batch just to brew a batch of beer. Now, I'm under no illusion that, you know, I could do it a second time and have that beer turn out exactly the same again. Right. But it was fun to just to do. Just like, hey, there's, there's a there's a stumbling block here. Can I just jump in there and do this myself? And so it's insane. a bit of an attitude to really kind of figure things out. and That's so creative. Yeah, but that's kind of the fun of brewing, though. If you're not Plus. in a position where you're always trying to figure something out and learn something new, it, it becomes a factory job and then... You know, may as well you know build windows somewhere work in another factory, right? Yeah, so it's
0: no different. Yeah. So then, okay, so you left Korea. Yeah. Um, uh, how long ago?
1: 2012. So five 2012. years ago. And then you moved back. To you from, moved back here. From here. My, originally. My, I'm originally from here. My okay. background's actually in social work. Okay. Now I often tell people, you know, it drove me to alcoholism, and then I started <laughs> making beer. So it's not really true, partially. That's a good start. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I went back to that field while I, you know, started doing some of that training and stuff as well. Um, met our, the owner of this company through a mutual friend of ours, started chatting with her a little bit and then kind of got my foot in the door here and that's kind of how I started right. here. So. so you weren't
0: brewing the last four years uh, until you started just, just at home. Just, just kind of
1: really practicing at home again. Right. And, so is this the
0: biggest setup you've uh, had the opportunity to brew? Yes. Yes. And are all the beers available here your personal creations or are there other brewers? There,
1: there, available? so there's, there's, we have there's two brewers here full time and everything really is a collaboration. Okay. You know, we, we have different you know different different passions about beer I love sour beers like crazy you know so I I might take a lead more on something else but we take a very collaborative approach in all our recipes right um you know just because sometimes an outsider approach like you know if I'm looking at just like a sour recipe sometimes someone who doesn't you know quite as passionate about sour beers will have a very different mindset on it Mm -hmm. so they'll, they'll be very um Able to critique it in different ways, so we do plage roll all recipes right.
0: together. Was, so. Did, so the Tat was your, uh, the villain device was your recipe. I that would was one say? of my recipes from home. Yeah, just had that fantastic. Yeah,
1: it's a fun beer to make. Like yeah. it, we do want to start making the bigger like Belgian style sour beers yet. Yep. But you know, in the meantime, you know, we can still do these kettle sours and they do the you, trick. They do the trick, and you you do get some feedback sometimes, like oh, it's cheating, it's a shortcut. To me, it's apples what? and oranges, though. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have the more of the German style sours. They're, they're incredibly yeah. thirst quenching. They're light, but you get a lot of flavor with the acidity. Yes. Our, our brew house was actually designed um, in order to facilitate kettle sours. If, if right. you actually look over there to our, our vent stack coming out of the kettle, okay. you can see that little damper on the little post coming out. Um, that works like a damper on the fireplace. Okay, well, so we can actually cut the off that's our, um, on the kettle on the right. On the right, okay. So the post coming out there. So we yeah. can actually cut off our air supply and have a complete anaerobic environment for our bacteria so when we are doing the kettle sour. So we right. designed it in such a way to have the control we want to, awesome, to really man. dial it in. I guess it keeps it like safe,
0: your other beers from being infected and stuff too, right? Well, what it, what it
1: really does, like what can happen in a kettle sour, you can have other bacteria start growing in there and produce some really awful off flavors. Right. Now, most of those bacteria require oxygen. Okay. Now, lactobacillus, which is one of the primary souring yeah. agents, most sour beers, can ferment really well just under carbon dioxide. So we can actually cut off our oxygen supply and flush it out, and then create an environment where it's just a little more controlled.
0: That's great, man. Okay, so. sick. Um, so I was gonna ask, ask about the brewer. So there's two of you guys doing everything. Um, barrel aging, that's what was gonna go for. So you said you meant you wanna go into the, yes. the more serious thing. There's like plenty of room here. Uh, is that something you consider like absolutely
1: the barrel style? No, yeah. it will it, absolutely happen at one point uh the nature of being a fairly young brewer you can't have all the bells and whistles from day of course. one of course. as much as i would love to it doesn't exist yet right um but yeah like, like big sour beers or mets that's, that's really what i'd love to do and that's really what i want to do amazing um, um and you guys do a, excuse me a lot of seasonals at all uh yeah, we, like... we 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 throw a lot of one-offs out there you know we We don't think about season too much, like, you know, around Christmas time, we did put out a big Imperial Stout, but a lot of it's just like, we have an idea. It's like, I want to try this. I want to drink this now. Um, What I love about working here, and and part of the reason why we are so sold early days, our owner um, gave us the instructions to make the beer we want to drink. You know, right. don't don't make the beer you think is going to sell. Don't make the beer you think people want. Make the beer you want to drink. Right. And it naturally starts to sell itself. So often we'll just have an idea. It's like, oh, Let's try you that. know, yeah. it might be in the dead of winter. It might be a good summer beer, but we're like, you know, we want to make it now. We're inspired by this and we have this idea. Right. So we're not really tied to it being a certain, you know, season in terms of a seasonal beer. we just right. kind of... Put out what we want when we Whenever want. Whenever
0: you want it. I like the idea of one-offs. Colin on, was telling me tomorrow you guys have a uh, tomorrow's Canada Day. Yes. And you have a, a three beers uh, coming tomorrow.
1: Yeah, three beers coming out tomorrow. We have, we have a black IPA. Always oh, a winner. Uh, part part of it was just playing with a, a bit of techniques. Um, you know, like, very very popular now, more like the northeast style IPAs and stuff, New England style. So we I you know we played with the IPA a little bit where we did zero bittering hops. You know, no bittering charge. Just everything really? loaded at the end. So is a northeast like, black IPA? It, inspired by it. You know, we, we use Australian hops. It's not 100%. truly a northeast California? uh equinaut. Equin. Oh, isn't that yeah. kiwi? Maybe it's kiwi. I get I get mixed up between the two. It could be it kiwi. Could um, be kiwi. I think about it yeah, I okay. can't sick. So yeah. that's fascinating sorry, you just cause I I always talk about it, I was gonna bring it up. Yeah, so so, so, about so part of it was stuff, technique. So yeah, so like again, like in terms of the haze, you're not gonna see it in a black beer anyway. Right. But it's more that technique to get the the real juiciness behind it but not necessarily the bitterness. So um, it's a juicy
0: um, black IPA. Yeah, oh dude, I'm coming tomorrow for sure. That's, yeah. incest, like, that's one of the most creative things
1: I've heard. Like, yeah, and, the other, and on that a, on the same note, Okay. Um, there's actually one fermenting right behind these folks right now. We just finished off today. Yes. Um, the same idea again, like we are playing that really big juicy note, so we threw a lot of oats to get the haze in there, but it, it's a, it's a hoppy sour. So to try and get like the, the juicy, big, fruity aroma, but again, no bitterness, but a bit of acidity there. Because like I really find the acidity. You think cooking, you know, acidity is helps flavors pop out. Salt helps flavors pop out. Right. So I find a flaw with a lot of beers that have a bit of um, a bit of fruit in there. Like I think like with hops as well, you know, a touch of acidity can help things just really pop. But it's just really trying to find that balance, you know. Sour and bitter clash. They don't work well together, but if you right. can find that balance where it can get the acidity in there with the big juiciness, yes. that's kind of what we're going for right now that's as amazing. well, to try and Balance those out. So was it a dry hop sour? Is that what you said? Sorry. Uh, well, we threw it in the whirlpool. So we we actually okay. cooled down, uh, brought up a little of the bittering range in a big whirlpool, threw a bunch of hops in there. Um, we will awesome. be doing one without the whirlpool and dry hopping next. This just really dial in the technique to figure out where it is, where this beer, where it lies. So. That's sick. And there was a third. Uh, so oh, sorry, that beer is not coming out yet. That beer's fermenting right now. Mm. So the other two beers are coming out. We have a, we have a, a Belgian. Uh, it's just like a Belgian pale ale coming out. Um, very, very middle of the road in terms of the yeast strain we use. You know, it doesn't it doesn't go too phenolic. You know, you get some of the, the you know, kind of clovey, fruity aromas, but not over the top. It's a very nice, right. easy drinking Belgian pale ale. Very, very much an introductory beer to the style. Yeah. Right. And the uh, third beer we did was a Blue Corn Saison. Um, okay. Our, our other brewer, Jeff, uh, was inspired by this recipe. Um, he had come across some blue corn and trying to find a way to kind of use it's this in a recipe. Deal. So it adds, it's interesting. We try the beer, and there's a real fruitiness to the beer. And it's yet to be determined, you know, is this fruitiness coming from the actual addition of blue corn or is it coming from the strain of Saison yeast we use? So it's kind of one of those things where it's really fun to play with and that's coming out tomorrow as well. It's a beautiful kind of a bluish purplish hue to it. And, really? Oh man, yeah. that
0: sounds phenomenal. Yeah. And you have to tell people about that, so I am mm-hmm. you're going to come and check those out. That's yes. really cool. I love that. Um, so speaking of the, the Northeast stuff, I was telling, Colin and I were talking before, so it always ends up coming up in mm-hmm. podcasts. My co-host Scott and I are relatively obsessed with those mm-hmm. right now. Um, I had one last night here for my yep. half pints and it was apparently a big deal that someone in, uh, yep. in Winnipeg had, uh, done a start yeah, like yep. that. How do you feel about that trend? Are you a personal fan of it? Are
1: you guys going to ever do stuff like that? I'm a big fan because, you know, Hoppy beers don't necessarily need to be bitter, right? So you get that real juicy fruitiness out of it, but you know you're getting all the delicious things out of a hop, but not necessarily the bitterness. Bitter- bitterness can stop you from, you know, having multiple beers. And beers should be drinkable. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- there is something to be said for really big beers. You can have just ten ounces of it and move on. But ultimately, I want a beer I can drink a lot of and thoroughly enjoy over right. and over and over again. I find those, you know, those type of IPAs really kind of hit that balance. Right well do you, do you feel that it's like some sort of passing trend or do you think that it'll stick around for a bit i, I think it's too delicious not to to, to not stick around it, it's Great sticking point. around like yeah you know like it, there will be another trend that overrides it to some degree but th- those beers aren't going anywhere right do you have any um plans to make any of those style beers uh, here absolutely absolutely yeah. um n- nothing in the immediate future but you know there, there's always the gears are always, always turning for those things and you know, unfortunately, we can only beer, brew so many beers at once. So it's just like, yeah, it's like when when the time comes. Yeah, like and then part like part of it is like the sour beer I was just talking about, like trying to find that balance. Like, can we? What, what's our own take on this beer? Like, can we find with just enough acidity to help those flavors pop, but not so sour you can't you know drink a bunch of them again? Right. That same
0: balance that's inspired by those style of IPAs. As so well. you want to kind of like really nail it before
1: we R- really nail it n- nail our version of that as well. And, Great point, because yeah. I guess they do differ
0: a lot. Have you had many like? from whether it's like the monkeyish or Treehouse
1: Trillium? Uh, I have not, unfortunately. Like, I, I've spent some time on the East Coast, but never quite up in the Northeast Coast, so I've never really, vibe, yeah. yeah, Okay, yeah, they're super hard to get. I
0: live, I live in Montreal, and uh, so we get to Vermont a little bit. Yeah. And I have some very, like, so chill down there, because these, like, to us. I'm looking through Instagram, I'm seeing all these, like, sexy-ass beers that mm-hmm. I can't get my hands on. And it always blows my mind that, like, these, oh I, I want them so bad i'm like i have no way to get them because you can't ship them yeah, but yeah, these yeah. guys in vermont kind of just like just continual moving mm-hmm. uh like this little train of beer because they have you know like fiddlehead and uh lawson's and Alchemist yeah. and all these other crazy hillstorms that have and they're just like the massachusetts guys are like cool here's trillium treehouse and bissell brothers and night shift and stuff and they're just like giving it away like it's nothing so we managed to get our hands on a few of them like a lot of like trillium specifically are just insane yeah, I, I re-
1: say. at Christmas time, uh, Christmas Day actually. So I was flying down to, to North Carolina where my wife is from, and a big big storm hit, we got rerouted to Boston. And Ooh. I placed in an a hotel, and it was right next to Trillium Brewing. Did you go? So, oh, I couldn't. It was Christmas Day. I tried. I was so oh. so, so heartbroken. <laughs> you know, so I am sitting right next to <laughs> so I, I the front. See it. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's torture. you know, it was it was it was Christmas, it was, it was Christmas Eve at night. We flew in, you know, we had you know half a day there the next day, and clearly they weren't gonna be open. I'm just sitting there looking at it. <laughs> It was kind of heartbroken Actually, by it. Actually, like, uh, torture. Yep. I couldn't handle it. on the flip side, I got to go to North Carolina, where, you know, they have an outstanding beer scene as well. Like arguably yes. one of the best in the U.S. as well. So it was, you know, there was a, a beautiful a silver band. lining. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Um, we, we were just briefly talking yep. before. So Asheville is, uh, like, a city I'm reading the most about as far as um, an up-and-coming Ash- beer city. Asheville's an outstanding city. No, a very, very small city, but, you know, you have the likes of... New Belgium, Sierra Nevada, Oscar Blues, White Labs, you know, the Big East propagating company. And they all grew all, out all there, se- All setting up second facilities hmm. in Nashville. Why is that, do you think? Um, it's it, it part part of its distribution. They all, they all want East Coast distribution. Uh, part of it's the, that mountain water and that vibe in the town, right? It's just like, it's a real university wow. town. Good for you. Um, just a lot, a lot of it available there. Especially for Oscar Blues, like Colorado. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was mountains and stuff. Yeah, it's right in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh. Right, so it's, it's beautiful, beautiful country there. It makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. Last to I was there, I believe there were 20, 26, 27 breweries within city limits. You know, you, you, can't, you can't walk mm-hmm. half a block without stumbling across a brewery. That's crazy. You know, there's just, they're just everywhere down there. And, right. So,
0: on the somewhat controversial side, and mm-hmm. we were both briefly talking about this, I haven't had Wicked Weed yet. Um, if you guys don't know, they were bought out probably two months ago, maybe, by yep. uh, AB InBev. Uh, they were the latest casualty in that war, and I feel like it was the one that hit the hardest um, out of all of the breweries that had been bought out. I would say you would agree based on your response on yeah, the I
1: I Yeah, I've been to Wicked Weed numerous times and I, I struggle with it. You know, prior to the buyout, had you asked me, like, Scott, what's your favorite brewery? I would have said Wicked Weed. You right. know, their, their souring program is bar none. You know, there's you know there's Cascade, there's Brewery, Jester King, they, they put out great beers. But to me, you know, the, the Wicked Weed did a second facility called the Funkatorium and yeah. it just blew me away the things they could do. And, th- and then I hear of the bio from AV InBev How'd you and, feel? and, and uh, I'm torn because like part of it is, you know, you could argue they're a sellout, you know, because you know, there's a lot of things these big corporations do that hurt small businesses like us. Yes. On the flip Probably side, that, yeah. yeah, and on the flip side of that, you know, if you're, if you're a brewery that's been around for five years and someone's offering you, you know, I, I don't know what the buyout cost was, but presumably hundreds of millions of dollars? Highly likely. How, do how do you turn that down? Like, can you turn that down? Like, would like it be a very different? I, I imagine with our owner here, you know, she's like, she's like, you know, super, super advocate for local business and fighting and having laws change, you know, and like really likes to, you know, push things forward. But if someone comes by and offers hundreds of millions of dollars, would I, you know, be upset with them for taking that deal? Absolutely not. Because how do you how do you not do that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's easy to be upset with them on the other side of things. But if you're the one handed that check, what so I, I mean? yeah, what are you gonna do? And I, it's, so I struggle with it. It's right. a Very very much a bittersweet thing.
0: Yes. So on that note, yeah, I've thought about this and I've spoken to other beer nerds like mm-hmm. ourselves who are extremely passionate. Uh, um, about you know keeping craft independent as i guess we all are yeah um if i think the problem lies not in the fact that they were bought out but who they were bought by Mm -hmm. so if it was a private equity firm like does that make a difference if it was like i think duvel owns a family of breweries Mm -hmm. they're not trying to proactively squash to like change the laws and lobby against things to like you were saying that trying to ruin craft beer Mm -hmm. and trying to uh um, well, one example, we were in the airport yesterday, in Montreal, yep. and I was looking at the thing, and they had uh, Blue Moon, Oil, um uh, Goose Island, uh, Granville Island, and then Coors Budweiser, I was like, Tiff, my girlfriend, I was like, look at that. I'm like, what does that look like? Someone would walk in there, go, man, look at all the beers they've got, and it's mm-hmm. all the same owner. Absolutely. And that's exactly what they're trying to do mm-hmm. by misleading consumers, right? And by, so misleading them on one side, get in on an industry that they know that the macro stuff is slowly dying and they're like, all right, got to own craft and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who don't care who's mm-hmm. owned by it, but then, then on top of that, then they're trying to do the, the legal stuff. So what? then what, who, who buys it, I think, matters. I mean, Absolute, do you have any thoughts on like, uh, where your money Absolutely. Who, who
1: buys it, definitely does. Because it, there's, you know, the, the capitalist side of things where, you know, a big company's mm-hmm. buying it to profit. Then there's the other side of things where it's beyond just capitalism. It's just well, I guess it's pure capitalism, but they're really trying to squash, you know, everyone else at yeah. their benefit, which, yes. which is which is really shitty. Really, you know, like, and they, they get to a point where they're buying up, you know, homebrew operations. You know, like Northern Brewer acquisition, right? Right. Uh, when they bought that, it was probably the I don't know if it's the largest homebrew supplier in the U. S. or one of the largest anyway. So explain that. What, what so is that? Nor- Northern Northern Brewer, Northern Brewer is a homebrew supply store. They they you know, supply ingredients, equipment to home brewers, primarily online, also purchased by AB AB InBev with, I think within the year. Now, it's a means of, you know, there'll always be consumers who are like, I'm not going to go to Wicked Weed because, you know, they sold out to AB InBev. Now, AB InBev is still going to make a profit off those people because they're going to be buying, you know, they're selling ingredients to some of these really small breweries, other home brewers now. So like, well, so, they're really going in. it's like, well, we can't profit off you from beer sales, so we're gonna profit off you guys from ingredients now. Jeez. So, they're finding other ways to kind of sneak their and way in. And then they
0: buy the media.
1: Yeah. Like, they own,
0: like, that October blog, apparently. Yeah. Um, like, or at least an investment firm. That's, <laughs>
1: they they have, they have, their fingers are in there at this point <coughs> as well. <laughs> which is, that's crazy. I never actually
0: thought about that. Yeah. The own brew That's evil, man.
1: Yeah. So, they're, like, they're, they're coming at it from all, all sides. Like, really. it is
0: important not to give them our money, though. Like, when you really put it like that, like, they're really trying to get like I understand their business, and we, I'm an yeah. entrepreneur, we business people, like get it, like so I feel the same way. Like how can you be mad versus like how dare yeah. you? But like I still feel that there's nothing wrong with selling if you're selling to like like if if half pints blew up so heavy and we're like hey we'll buy you guys, yeah it's just putting a local context, and you're like you know what they're gonna offer you all this money, you worked your ass off for years, why mm. not sell it? But just not the devil. I don't yeah,
1: know. yeah. I, don't know. You know, I, I feel the same way. It's just like it's one of those hard things where if you're in their shoes, it's hard to argue. Uh, it'll be really interesting. Like in, in November, I'll be heading back to North Carolina. Nice. You know, ho- hopefully, time to get into Asheville. My, my wife's family's from Raleigh, which is like, you know a three-hour yes. drive from. Um, you know, again, Raleigh's tons of great breweries as well, but you know Asheville's that <laughs> big scene. And I get there. Will I go to Wicked Weed? Probably. You okay, know, p- part, of it, part of it is. <clears throat> excuse me the sour beer like i am obsessed with their sours the sour beers coming out now would have been brewed a year or two ago prior to this at this point so it's still okay we... yeah i it'll, it'll be interesting to see where the changes though oh okay, yeah I'd, like, I'd like to try these beers and then go back you know a year or two later again see is there an actual change in quality <coughs> do you think they would be more than likely they, they say there won't be it's the same ownership running everything the, their goal is it, it, those red flags. I was back there at Christmas time, and you know clearly this was all in their works already. You know right. these things don't happen overnight, and I was talking. It was one of the. I actually believe it was one of the owners, and he was saying within mm. five years they're going to be the second largest sour producer in the U.S. behind you, Belgium. And I was like, wow, that's bold. That's impressive. Like they yeah, really have plans in place. That I never would have thought. So you didn't you know, even it, like. It, you no, know, would have crossed my mind because like there's such reason. They seem like such reasonable, like honorable people. Like, hey, we're doing this. Like, they do all these like collabs with people. Everyone like looks up to Wicked Weed. But then all of a sudden, it was was AB Inbev who bought them, and it's just it's shocking. You know, it's just like I wonder why. I just
0: I'd love to like ask them, like why, yeah, why them, yeah, why like the owner, like why why did you take that money from those people? Like, I understand you want to cash in, but you know what that means. Like, if you
1: especially when you're so successful already. Right? So, like, I mean, they're. Like,
0: Agreed. Wonderful. Like, you can get more success. And that's a good point. Yep. Like, they're already making good money, but then, you know, like, how they, they, they must understand that by taking that money, they're pushed away. I mean, maybe it's such a minimal portion of clientele mm-hmm. that there's, like, whatever, bro, I'm going to get the other 300 million people who don't know who we are. Yeah. And probably international distribution. I'm sure we'll see their stuff up here. Mm. And then and the question is, I don't
1: want to buy it, but I want to try it. That, that's, a, that's always a tough part because, you know, I, I would buy it to try it. I hate it. It's a weird, it's you like, know, no, balance there uh, because I don't want to. No, because I know where, what i But I'm I probably doing. will, right? It's just because like, I sit there and it's like, oh, did they, did they pull it off? Mm. Are they still doing this? Because you, you need know, to know it's if it's like, kind of, There's a few other
0: breweries. I was talking to someone yesterday about it, and I know that there's certain breweries that were bought out. They're not the same, like some in Vancouver, some in mm-hmm. uh, Toronto. You probably know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to talk about bad about anyone because some of their stuff is still great. But, yeah. like, I know there's a difference between now and, and like, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was one, I always wonder, like, I don't know as much about the American. I haven't had, like, from Malaysian or Ten Barrel yeah. or any of those other guys or Golden Road or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if they will. Like, because it's such, it's so esteemed, like, by selling, you're not... Just getting money, like you're
1: actually going to ruin the business. What, what I'm really be. curious more than anything, like, I, 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 here's what it was, here's my prediction. Break it down. No, we'll, we'll break it down. So, like, Wicked Weed, there's two sides to the brewery. They have the Wicked Weed, where they're they're producing IPAs, say, like, like any other brewery. And they have the Funkatorium, where they're putting down the sours. Right. Now, I think, touch that? I, I think the regular side of the brewery, that's, it'll, I think it's going to get watered down to some degree, you know, in order, in order to kind of put it out. You know across the country and possibly further just by scaling now, not, not on the, purpose in, yeah in terms yeah. of the s- souring side of things you know when i was still there in christmas they were still t- sampling every barrel monthly because it's a real art of blending right you know it's not just a matter of taking a quick sample because they give the best example there uh, how to do like uh, beers so regular beers you know bruto saccharomyces you know brewer's yeast and they compare that to like a dog. You know, you give it give it a good home, give it good food, treat it right. It generally does what it should do. Sour beers are like a cat. You know, you treat it well, <laughs> feed it, give it a good home, still it does whatever the fuck it wants. <laughs> right? And so you get to this point where you have all these barrels, they're all doing different things. You still need someone there who can blend them and right. do a good job of blending it. Otherwise it's helpful. Yeah, and not anyone can do that. Right. You know, and they seem to have that. You know, so that's what I'm really curious about. Will that change, or to what degree will that change? And your curiosity is going to keep you purchasing and, mm. until things go south. And you know, you do, if it like, gets oh. if it gets to a point where they're still putting out quality beers, you know, it's one of those things where I hate the idea of buying it, but I probably will if it's that good. You know, that's so fair. it's like, do you have? I'm skeptical. Have?
0: Skeptical. Okay,
1: but like, like, okay,
0: and I think that's fair to be completely skeptical. Of that. Yeah, like it's just
1: legitimately could go either way.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
1: I'll give it a just, shot, though. I'll give it a shot. It's like...
0: Mm. Are you going to go down there? Uh, in oh, okay, I guess. If I if I have time, if before. I have
1: time to do it, I will. Because you know what? They so. like probably
0: that was out of the other question. Was I wonder if that just those distribution channels that come with the buyer, mm-hmm. I wonder if that kicks in immediately. As far as um, do they? Uh, how do I say it?
1: Like, will it be available in Raleigh? Right it, it, after, you know, it, already it, it, it's already available in Raleigh. It's a three-hour drive, so within North, like, within North Carolina, it's always available. Okay. generally only in Asheville, but you find it in pockets. So do you think uh, it'll be wider, f- ava-
0: wi- more widely available elsewhere in North Carolina? at The very least after in the next five months or whatever.
1: Not yet. They, they still think, a while, they, well, they need to increase production to increase, you know, distribution, right? Good so point. so, so they the need to increase that first before they can really push out. Slow like Slow scaling. Yeah, process. so, th- so they, they, they appear in areas where they do collaborations, you know, like, like the Jester Kings and stuff like that. So you'd be able to find you know joint stuff, I think, in those areas where they collaborate, but... Right.
0: So yeah, I guess we talked about that before, like, you know, Jester King and Rare Barrel didn't uh, respond to... Yeah. Uh, positively to the mm-hmm. buyout, so I mean, uh, it's gonna be interesting, I think
1: that's one, I just hadn't seen such a... It's such interesting, because like one of my favorite beers I had was a collaboration between mm-hmm. Jester King and Wicked Weed. They brewed a Grisette together, and it was interesting, because I'd never really had a Grisette before, and I tried, I fell in love with this beer, because it was, you know, very much like a like a Saison, like, you know, they're very similar origins yeah. kind of a thing. However, there was just a splash of acidity in this beer again, I and mean, you it's have that just that splash enough. of acidity, all these other flavors start popping out. Like, think cooking, Add a bit of lemon juice, flavors pop out, Add a bit of salt, flavors pop out. You know, same thing in this beer, really light, easy drinking beer, but like, so much going on because of it. And uh, yeah, I'll be sad, cause that beer will probably never exist again. No, I'm not thinking uh, probably like, it definitely won't exist again. But it gives us inspiration to, uh, well, let's do I it. Think they, I we'll think they it actually again. took them off the, oh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if, if yeah. you guys do, speaking of that, do you guys do collapse? Not yet. Um, It'll it'll come down the pipe yet as well, it's um, I don't know exactly what all the regulations are meant with doing collaborations. Uh, Part of the reason is like we we have a, a full restaurant brewery attached here we can carry whatever beer we want Right. A lot of the breweries in Winnipeg are production facilities with a tasting room. Mm. They can only carry their own beers. Right. So if we were to do a collaboration oh, here, we be pouring out of it, here. Yeah. So we'd have to pour it here. However, if we did it with someone at mm-hmm. their brewery, we could buy them back at retail prices. Oh, that's cool. As well. So there, there are that ways to like kind of work it. around it. And. Okay. And uh, so let's talk about that. how do you feel about the Winnipeg scene now? Uh, it's like, up and coming. I still feel like we're you know very much behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have, have some more here. I'm falling. Yeah. I got you, bro. Here. Hey, don't worry. It's been, you've had a long day yeah I've been mean, making root beer I pr- appreciate it hey. um,
0: well, thanks gotcha. it's a
1: long time coming in Winnipeg you know it's, it's like like I say a year ago there was really only two breweries we're up to eight now and it, it, people are loving it you know up, up until we were able to kind of record this in the back here I was busy doing tours we have people yeah, are really taking excitement in this yeah and you know we do free public tours every Monday night and a lot of people don't even realize we do them but we do them they get excited about it we tell them about the other breweries and you know vice versa as well right. and so there's, a, there's, even though it's quite new, like I said in the last mm-hmm. year, there's still that uh, camaraderie
0: and, and sort of absolutely like, just like any other brewery, you're like, oh, you're in Winnipeg for three days? Oh, you got to make sure you go here and here and here.
1: Well, I always tell people, like, you know, the, the brewer's side of me is very loyal to Peg beer. I love what we're doing. I love where we're going with things. You know, we're, we're putting out outstanding. We're, we're happy with their beer yet, right now. It's not good enough yet. But if, you know, fifteen, twenty years from now, I'm saying our beer is good enough. Like, tell me to quit. Yeah. You know, because like, it becomes like I said earlier, it becomes like a factory job at that point. Like, the beer is never good kind enough. Yeah. But the beer drinker side of me is not loyal to Peg beer. I love going to another other brewery, you know, whether it's Barnham or Torque, you know, seeing what they're coming up with. They're going right. to come up with ideas we don't come up with. You know? you know, one of my favorite things to do is going out somewhere and finding a style of beer I generally don't like, and then all of a sudden they dialed it in and you know, got it. Um, you know, I, I can think of it, I can't think of a, a local example or immediately right off the top of my head, but um, alt beers. I generally hmm. don't like alt beers. Okay. They, they kind of produce kind a of multi-sweet. I have zero that I don't like them. But uh, Driftwood Brewery out of BC put out this uh, Crooked Coast alt Green. beer. Okay. It, was, it was a great alt. I loved it. It was like, oh, someone can pull up this beer that I love. Right. Um, and so that was like, that and that's, that's what you I love about with that. the other breweries. Like they will have different ideas, and they might brew a style of beer that. You know, we wouldn't necessarily brew here because we're like, ah, we don't like that style too much. Right. But then they dial in and like, oh shit, like that's they they did it. They found a way to make this beer really good, so it's really fun to go around. And we definitely do like send like you know different customers off to the other breweries as well. And
0: okay, so it's it's really cool like that. So when you were saying that uh, we
1: don't like it, so was that you and there was a Jeff the other Jeff the brewer? So was just you two, you guys. Like, well, we have a very much a team approach, and we're very fortunate here. So there's there's two of us in the like two brewers in the back and a production manager we um, has got an outstanding palates. You know, we have Colin, our sales team who knows beer inside and out. Yes, he does. As we know we have a kitchen like where it makes outstanding food. And here's here's the beauty of this. Oh, wow, I can attest you know, to that. You know, they know how to taste things. You know, and some sometimes they don't necessarily understand the whole brewing process as well as we do. But we have a very you know interesting um, response to our beers, so we can bring a beer to them like, what do you taste? What do you notice in this? Right. And they'll give us a very much response like, oh, I didn't notice this before. I didn't pick this out. So we have very much a team approach here where. You know, the beer really goes through you know, the gauntlet here before it actually makes it onto our taps here as well because we have so many people critiquing it as well. And so That's many people who like beers and different styles mm-hmm. of beers that, you know, and everyone's opinion is equally valid. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a server who's just learning how to make beer, again, because they're gonna look at things very differently than what we would look at. Right. So,
0: so say if uh, someone like Colin, yeah. who also, by the way, Colin has a podcast called Pub Chat, where can they find that? pubchatpodcast.com, check it out. I was on there in 2014. It was a great episode. Uh, anyway, make sure to check it out. Um, if if say Colin come up with a, an idea for a beer and he brought it to you, how would like is that something
1: that is available to the entire staff? Abs- absolutely be- and highly mm-hmm. encouraged. Okay. You know, it's a, a, actually this dazzle ship we're drinking right now. This is our production manager. He he's been in the brewing industry for many years, but had never physically made a beer before. So he kind of talked about what he wanted. We helped him put the recipe mm-hmm. together. And he got in there and brewed Fantastic. it. You know, we kind of walked him through it. Um, our servers have been talking about you know, the, the participating in a process. So one thing we asked him is like, what, kind, what, what interests you? What kind of beer would you like to do? Now, if it's a far out there idea, we might throw it on a, on a bit of a test system to brew a smaller batch of it. But if it's an idea you know, of a, pretty, a beer we've done before, we might just jump in and do 1800 liters of it and help them develop the recipe. Right. You know, the more people we can really buy into the process, you know, the better it does for the business as a whole, right? You know, if the servers are really into the beer, that beer automatically moves, right? you know? So it's just like a matter of, the other side of the equation is like, it's fun to make beer, but the beer has to sell in order for us to be able to make beer, right? So it's a double equation as well, so bit of a
0: circle okay Mm -hmm. that's really cool it's good that sort of everyone can kind of like participate Mm -hmm. in that process and suggest new styles and different things like that so you guys are really uh, uh, I guess unique in the sense you have like that fantastic kitchen there's a huge big um, uh, what's it called pizza oven and stuff we just had the flatbread it was amazing yeah charcuterie plate over there how do, you, do you feel like that changes up the vibe? Like we went to Half Pines last night, which was, which was fantastic, and they had the tap mm. room only, and we went there. We were hungry. Yeah. I knew we were coming here today, so that's why we didn't come, but we were like, I wanted to go and try a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so are you guys one of the only, uh, like you said, brew mm-hmm. pubs Therefore, with with that full kitchen that's sort of
1: you know made to complement the beers and stuff? Uh, no, mm. right, right now there's a couple others that have just opened, there's Brazen Hall, and One Great City would just open a week ago, two weeks ago as well. They have a full restaurant attached as well. Okay. So yeah, there's, so there's they're, they're coming up, they're coming up as well. Yeah. Do you guys make the food to like pay, pay with the beers and stuff? It, 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 for a special occasion we might work together on that. And that, that's the beauty of it too. Like we talked about, again, I'll bring it back to sour beer. <laughs> like sour beers are really good to integrate with, like unique ingredients, especially a lot of fruit, you know, so we're often in conversation with them, like, hey, is there anything interesting coming down the pipe? Can you provide us with this? Right. Um, a couple months ago we brewed our, our Berliner Weiss with beets. It's one of those ideas wow. where like we're pretty sure this is a good idea so we're, <laughs> we're, like, but we're 100% certain so let's mm-hmm. do this. So you know a lot of our advice came from our chef. Right? How you know? We the brewing It was outstanding. Wow. It's interesting how the, the, the sweetness and the freeness of the of the beets with the acidity it, it kind of presented as raspberries but kind of this unique, almost unidentifiable type of aroma as well, because it's a unique take on beets. Um, yeah, we sold that keg, I think in a night as well, like It it's pretty close, yeah. like it's, it was an outstanding beer, and it's just like, and the interesting part of this beer was we brewed regular process, threw beets into the mash tun, brought it to a boil, we lost all the beautiful color from beets, and we're like, oh, that's part of the beer, the beautiful red color, what do we do? So we grabbed Aaron, our chef, and it's like, Aaron, what happened, we lost all our color. Oh. And he thought about it for a while, and he was like, oh, I want to make beet borscht, like a traditional type soup like here. Soup, yeah. Yeah, and he said every time he reheats it, he loses a bit of color. So there's some sort of chemical change that happens through reheating it. Right. So with the vigorous boiler brewing, we lost all its color. Now thankfully for us, um, one, of our di- one of our snacks in this kitchen is uh, pickled eggs. He dyes the pickled eggs with uh, steamed runoff from his roasted beets, so he always right. collects a bit of this. So we collect a bit of that, dumped it back into a fermenter, and brought our color back as well. Nice. As well, so, save the day. So it's, it's really sick. fun to really work with him as well because yeah. you know they'll always have a perspective on ingredients that we don't have. Right. So
0: that's really cool. I think that's definitely a huge benefit.
1: Then. And that's we fun. we go back and forth like with our Berliner Weiss Like he's done a couple of really interesting things with it. He he actually turned our Berliner Weiss into a vinegar and use it for certain things. So expose it to air, which is you know horrendous in terms of like the quality of a beer.
0: Right.
1: But great if you want to make a vinegar. So he made a. Uh, we kept calling it the Berliner. So the Berliner Weiss <laughs> vinegar vinegar and he that's made some great. fermented potatoes. Put us uh, put it over top of it. He made a pie with it, right? And, you know, you, you think of a lemon meringue pie, right? You have the, the acidity, the sweetness. So he used the Berliner Weiss vinegar to make a pie with it. It was that's so good, it blew me away how good it was. And recently, an ice a frozen yogurt, the wow. same thing as well, the same stuff, yeah, with vinegar. Yeah, Jeez. see, that's cool. But, but a natural vinegar, he again he <laughs> brewed with like, made from our beer, took it back, fermented, refermented it, and then
0: that's fantastic
1: yeah so it's really fun to kind of work together he'll have ideas based on us and vice versa we kind of go back and forth and that's super cool mm. man I think that's
0: really like the core of the craft of what what this is all about, mm. really to be we
1: really egg each other on and yeah yeah
0: you need that team so I guess you've got the right people yeah absolutely I, I'm, do yeah yeah
1: very that's fortunate amazing. here with, with the team we do have and yeah.
0: that's fantastic man so I was thinking so okay so we're out on the East Coast I've been recently uh, started trading beers with uh, friends on the west coast, mm. I kind of almost wish I didn't because I didn't realize how amazing Vancouver beers are, so yeah, yeah. I'm stressing out trying to get the latest releases just like I am trying to get some out in Toronto and Montreal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, being that you guys are dead in the middle of the country, how do you think that impacts the type of beers you make or just in general like whether just whatever it is that you do? Um, well how you operate the business and how you sort of present everything you know being that you sort of like maybe there's not an identity
1: in Winnipeg just yet I, th- I think that the, 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 mm. the identity is being developed as we speak um, a flaw we have here in Winnipeg uh, it shouldn't say a flaw but a, a downside here is like you know it's only in the last you know few years that you know all these great craft beers have been making their way into Manitoba Like the beer scene was dismal here for a long time whether it was right, like okay. Lack of breweries, but also lack of craft beer in our liquor stores. Right. So it's really only up and coming now. So it's, and if if I had to pick a positive out of this, is that we're forced to create our own identity to some degree. Right. You know, it's just like like it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next five to ten years to see what what pinpoints Manitoba as a Manitoba type beer. Right. So it, it's hard to say exactly where things are going at this point. Everyone seems to be have different passions and different areas where they're going with things. Um, it's a, it's a very much a province that's learning how to how to enjoy beer. Right. You know, it's like it's it's fun doing the festivals. It's fun seeing people come in here and like, oh the restaurant like, oh you make your own beer here. Some of them don't even realize we walk up through the process and they had no idea and then we tell them what the other breweries and went like, oh, oh what the hell right. you know, we didn't even we knew we thought there were two. You know? right. And then we walk through the whole <laughs> process. So I think the Manitoba identity is it's it's a you know process in the making. Does it have a direction that's sort of somewhat identifiable yet? I, I don't think I don't early. think so. It's it's too early. I said yeah. we're, we're we're barely a year into everyone really coming in. So okay, do you see it going any particular direction? Not even the the
0: palette, but just do you see the scene maybe getting as big as some of these other cities, whether it's Van or Montreal, Toronto, even <clears throat> hey, Ottawa and Halifax is starting to. I, sh- food I sure now. hope
1: I sure hope so. Like Winnipeg in particular has an outstanding food scene. It's, it's a real hidden gem here. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have people of many different ethnicities here. And this is, really, like, this is like, whether it's you know, restaurants from those areas or just like fine dining, it really exists in Winnipeg. So I'm really hoping that the beer scene really kind of follows that and really just like, you know, we, we don't want half assed beer here. It's like, I really hope that everyone really kind of steps up and like, you know, puts us on the map as a world class brewery. And I, I guess right. it's one of those things where it's really time will tell. You know the attitudes there at this point you know from the from the consumer side of things and from the brewer side of things you know we meet with the other brewers you know they're equally excited to be embarking on this so right. it's so yeah. you're seeing that sort of like passion, that pride. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Really come transcend, like coming through in the, the beer stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys uh, attend the uh, Canadian Brewing
1: Awards?
0: Um, no? Is that something that you guys... We did not.
1: Know? Like, something will happen too down the road, it's just too
0: early for yeah, us. I've heard that from a few people yeah, that thought. We were, we were there and it was uh, interesting, like BC just like took it all. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, so I was just curious to see like whether that was, because some breweries that's not even important to them at all.
1: Yeah, just a uh, mm-hmm. couple of weekends ago, we had the Flatlanders Beer Festival in Manitoba. Ah, Pallusok, And yes. it, it's one of those things that's really come off the ground the last couple of years as well. Initially, it was one of those things where a lot of beers were there, but it's like, ugh, those real beers are already available here. It's so like, why bother right. going? You know, unless your end game is just to get drunk, but then just go to a <laughs> bar. Like, yeah. But you know, you fast forward to now, Excuse me, here. Uh, less of beers, less of beers getting day. to be here. <laughs> so it's you know there's so many local breweries now. Yeah. And everyone's producing special beers for this. It was a really fun event. So we, today you did a bunch that were made just for it. We we brewed two specific beers for it. One awesome. just being a coconut stout. Nice. Uh, it's one of those things where it's it's been done a many times, but it's such a natural pairing together. You get you get the chocolate and the coconut that work the well best. together. Roasted coconut. Uh, roasted coconut. Yeah. Uh, in our kitchen like, here. Did you like? Oh nice. Yeah, did you me, uh, dry hop? Dry coconut. Uh, yes, yeah. this is exactly what we would have done, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. dry coconutting. Dry coconutting I, yeah. I think you may have just coined a term you gotta, <laughs> to, to be, patent that.
0: I stole it from someone else who yeah. said the exact same thing. I'm not sure if it was documented, so I, I'm taking it. As far
1: as I know, it's yours. Thank you, sir. So we, dry, we dry coconut in this beer. <laughs> and it's interesting because initially we're like, oh, it's, it's not the most adventurous thing, but let's just go it's for so it. And it ended up being a really good beer to bring out there because yeah. with a brand new beer scene in Manitoba, You You know, everyone. Well, well, people haven't tried it before. They're like coconut beer. Like that sounds crazy. They try and they're like, oh, this is so good, because it's it's a very much a gateway into more the more adventurous beers. Right. Uh, Our second beer we did, we brewed a goza. Nice. Now it was a gin and tonic inspired goza. He he said it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was a really fun beer to make. It was. uh, yeah, it was just, we brewed the, the gosas, so you have the, the salt and coriander, we threw a pile of juniper in there, oh, lemon nice. and lime zest as well, to kind of get all those gin and tonic flavors in With there. With the salt, of course. Yeah, and the salt. Do you use actual salt or salt water? Actual salt. I've people use seawater. Yeah, that would Isn't work that weird? too. Yeah, That's I like the something. idea of that, I like the idea of it. You bring it to a Some boil anyway, yeah. you're sterilizing yeah. it, it's yeah, like, it's that, like eating oysters, low tide, <laughs> it, tastes, it tastes like high tide. Low tide, high tide, I don't know how it tastes, but. <laughs> uh, same thing. It's, it's, it's a fun part of the process, though. That's a good point. Okay, and um, it, that well. Right? This beer was again really inspired by uh, an Evil Twin beer I had.
0: Nice. Now, Evil, Twin, great.
1: Evil Twin's great. Yeah. I've had some awful Evil Twin beers over the past. And I think some of them just aged. Like, I got buying them at the wrong place, wrong yeah. time. Now, I f- my sister in law found this beer. And it to me, it sounded so gimmicky, I refused to buy it. It was a Berliner Weiss brewed of strawberries and olives. I was like, there's no way I'm buying wow. this beer. No way. She's like, you have to buy it. I'm like, I'm not buying it. So she bought it. To forced me to drink. I'm like, oh, i like, i find I'll drink some. And then all of a sudden, it was just so subtle. You know, Like the strawberries added a subtle fruitiness to it. Like, had you not told me, I would have noticed. Right. You tell me it's there, I pick it up. And the olives added just this saltiness to it, like a subtle saltiness, it, a bit salt? of savory. Also, I started thinking. I was thinking martini right away. It's like gin, martini, and that's what sort of really triggered this idea for this, you know, gin and tonic goes, or maybe pushing more like a martini yet eventually. So it was just like one of those beers. Again, one of those beers where like, I don't want to try it, someone forced me to try I'm like, oh, someone did that. But it was like, it's a weird yeah. gimmicky thing. And, Oh, uh, well, I thought it was weird and gimmicky, but it was actually There's really phenomenal. good. And that's what triggered this idea for the gin right. and tonic-style Goza. And did you try the martini beer as well, or did it just go straight to gin and tonic? We'll do that yet. Yeah. To be, to be determined. Okay. Yeah. That's push cool. we got it there as well. I don't know exactly how you kind of incorporate the olives. It would be one of, those, one of those subtle things where you try it, you're oh, geez, not going to so notice it. Yeah. But if I tell you it's there, you you're pick like, up oh, a certain yeah. savoriness and saltiness from it, so it's got to be the right balance. And I think that's probably one of the best ways to do it, though, for, mm-hmm. for
0: a beer like that. Uh, maybe in a, a newest scene, like... Uh, like Manitoba in general, yeah. like well, you might scare too many people off. Like, it's just
1: it's Olive it, beer. Like. Well, it's just it. Like, it can get gimmicky and bad sometimes, or, or or surprisingly good. Yeah, I'll bring it back to Wicked Weed. Wicked Weed put it a beer. It was a sour beer with tamarind, lime, ancho chilies. And it's one of those beers like. What? They've never done me wrong. No, I'm not going to buy it. It sounds stupid. I'm not going to buy it, it. sounds stupid. But should I buy it? Like, yeah, and uh, okay. there's this a tap room I go to in Raleigh where they, okay. they had the beer. And he's like, the, the guy's never led me wrong. He said, buy it. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll buy it. Brought it back here and it blew me away. Yeah. You know, like the, the ancho chilies. You know, they, they always have this real leather doing? ancho chilies. Ancho it's used a lot in Mexico, Mexican food. Okay. I don't think it's not It has a very, they're not overly spicy. It has almost like a leathery tobacco. They're often dried. Uh, okay. type, type flavors to it. It just works so well with, with the, with the myces in the beer. Again, had you not known it was there, you probably wouldn't have picked it up, but it, it's, it's kind of balanced. It's one of the layers in there. And then the tamarind. Tamarind's naturally kind of sweet, kind of tart. Yes. He knows, and this use just enough in there again, where it's just like, oh, it just works so well. Interesting. Like it blew my mind how they did this because and like, lime, you said as well. And lime, yeah. And it's one of those things wow. where, it, in my mind, it shouldn't have worked, <laughs> but they did it somehow. They right? did it. it's Just like. And that does that
0: inspire you to whether you bring it here or however you present it? Are you like? I mean, I guess it does technically because you brought the gin and tonic beer. Yeah. Is that something that you could, you know, you might have these crazy beers from wherever and are you able to channel that into something more than a a festival beer that's something... Oh
1: absolutely, like part of it is like sometimes it's very difficult to scale those beers just because of the the quantity and the oddity of some Mm of the ingredients involved and the the financial (coughs) aspect as well. It's like part of it in early days it's it's, that's always part of the challenge but as, as you expand you can start like you know, getting a bit of, bit of, bit of a bigger test system yeah. and finding ways to do it. There's always a way to do something on a big scale, you right. know, like, like oh, I'll throw that Wicked Weed beer out there, the Evil Twin beer. You know, that beer didn't just go out, you know, in that one city. It went out, you everywhere, know, everywhere, right? right? So they, they found a way to do it. There's a way to do it. And it, part of what I like about, we talked earlier about all those um, Northeast breweries, you know, like the Al- Alchemist. And stuff like that. they're, they're, they're world class beers yes. coming out of a very small state. Yes, you know, there's no it's reason crazy. why like you know 57 breweries in the world. Well, that's it. just it. There's it's no just... reason why we can't do that here in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Whether it's us or one of the other local breweries, you know, there's no reason why we can't be world class. We have access to the exact same ingredients as anyone else does. Mm-hmm. You know, same distributors for many reasons yep. and stuff like that. So it's like if that drive is there and you want to be world class, like it's going to happen here. It's just like. You know, it's just like so, someone's going to do it, and that's the drive. It's just like, that's awesome. You know, good enough isn't good enough. You know, you can make a mediocre beer, you will sell the shit out of it, you know, and people will buy it. But why, you know, it's a, it's a miserable life in the, in the working environment. Yeah. If that's what you're doing. Yeah. You know, why, why not strive for excellence? Why not strive to be, you know, Preach up rhythm. at the top? And Couldn't agree more. Do you see that? Uh, is it evident here?
0: <clears throat>
1: uh, I would say so. Like the, 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 I can speak for us in particular. I can't speak for other breweries because we don't meet with them. Like their desire is definitely there. Um, it's really here. It's like whether whether it's us, whether it's you know calling our sales staff, whether it's you know our production manager. We're all we all want that outstanding beer. Partially because it's good business. Partially for selfish reasons because we want to drink it. Who doesn't? Right. It's just like it's, it's hard to get those. Like and hopefully, it can inspire other people to do the exact same thing. Hmm. You know we don't need to be the only game in town doing this it's just like no, it's sure it, it's good beer for everyone like i said earlier the beer drinker side of me is not loyal to peg beer right i love trying everyone else's beers right you know so it's fun to do those things and
0: and, and like you said before like you guys make beer based on what you like to drink yes and a few other of my favorite breweries have said the exact same thing mm-hmm. and i think that's a very very important uh trait to have like absolutely you, you want to drink hazy IPAs and you go and make them like yeah, yeah. Wh- whatever it is like all these crazy salads you want to drink them make them like yeah I think that's cool and I
1: think it is beers push really the sell forward. themselves I like have noticed a, a direct correlation you know we, we have the whole restaurant mm-hmm. front of house here and depending on what servers working different beers sell different nights mm-hmm. you know because if it's their favorite beer that beer moves right because you know, pe- people get addicted to like the, their passion like you know like the, the, they'll talk about a beer and to some degree, you can almost convince, I don't want to say convince people to like a beer, but they automatically will look at a beer very differently because this person spoke so highly of it. Right. You know, so depending on which, which server is even working, different beers move at different rates, different nights, and you that's know, sick. so if you have a whole team of people that passionate about the beer and you love it that much, the beer just kind of, you know, moves right. itself. So you don't, you don't need to look at it in such a like, what do you think will sell against? What do you want to drink? What, right. do you, what do you love to drink? and That's cool. Yeah. I think mean, that's natural and it's the way it should be. Yeah.
0: That's sick, man. So we have a segment that okay. we're going to move on to. I, we like to call it the lightning round. It has often been called the molasses Ooh. round. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people do take quite some time to answer the question. So basically it's supposed to be a bunch of rapid fire questions. Yeah. Uh, but you can expand the answers if you like. Uh, first one, what is your guilty pleasure beer? So that would be a beer you... Are somewhat embarrassed to tell another fellow beer nerd that you enjoy drinking LaBat Fifty. That's uh, my co-host, one of well, yeah, and it's, that's it's the good. Most it's a,
1: if, if I'm at a if I'm at a bar where there's zero craft beer. To me, it's the top of the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> if that makes any sense, right? It's just like, you know, it, it's it's an ale, there's a bit of the fruity aroma, there's a touch of hop character to it. Like, that, like that's Just my, enough. Just enough, that's my go-to beer. If I gotta go somewhere and that's what there that's is, what I'll, I'll be more than happy to drink back 50. <laughs> I honestly
0: haven't had it in so long, but it's the, of this question, like, it's the number one answer yeah. by far. So clearly, it's a uh, respectable-
1: Th- There's something deal. there to it. Like, there's, yeah. there's definitely some character to it. It's, not a beer I desire to make ourselves, of course. But uh, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place for it. It's a very important thing. Yeah, and it's interesting how certain beers. Like I'll tell t- another story, going back to North Carolina. My yep. father-in-law doesn't really drink. Okay. You know, great. I love the guy to bits. You know, but he he wants to fit in once in a while and kind of get along. So I went down there, you know, last summer, late late summer, early fall and he went to pick up some beers, so him and I could have a beer together on the patio. He, pick, he picked up Michelob Ultra. <laughs> now, not a beer I'm gonna go choose to buy by myself, no, no but I spent, you know, 12 hours traveling. I arrived there, it was almost 40 degrees, 100% humidity. So you are like- My God, mm-hmm. that beer go down well. You know, I slammed that one, then a second. You know, it's And it's you like, went that mad at it. It's, it's like McDonald's. McDonald's isn't a great burger, but it has its place. You know what you know what you're getting into. For it yeah. You know it for it, you know what you know what you're getting into. It can meet a certain need at certain times, right? It's just like So Michelob Ultra is the McDonald's of beers, basically. Yeah, well, I don't wanna go that far. It's just like I'll go that little bat fifty maybe. There's a craving okay, more there, sorry, but we went a bit too yeah, far. That went too far. A little too far, little too far in that That's one. That's a but, good point. But that was one of my most satisfying beers of my life. That's you actually know, one of my questions here. Yeah, so that, so that was probably know. one of the most yeah. satisfying beers of my life. Not the necessarily the most enjoyable, but satisfying. My mm. god, that Mean to not need that, at that dude, point hit that right hit the nail on the head yeah so then the, the complete flip
0: side of that mm. what beer would you decline under any circumstances oh boy that's a tricky one so if you went to a usually what we say if you went to a barbecue and you did not bring your own beers which is highly unlikely yeah 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 and the host was like hey scott uh
1: how about this and you might be like you got any water i, I don't think there's any beer i would decline Assuming it's not like horribly infect, uh, infected or something yeah, no, like that. Yeah, no, it's all completely but, but, fresh. But I, I wouldn't decline anything. Like, like, to some degree, I don't like to shit on people who like a certain beer. Like, like, like someone's drinking a bunch of MGD or something. It's like I, I you talk to the whole McDonald's thing. I know what I'm getting into at that point. It's not the beer of choice for me, but I'm not gonna sit there and like. It, to some degree, it's insulting. Someone offers me a beer. Oh, I don't like that beer. I'm not gonna turn it down. So I wouldn't do that. That's, you know, I, I would point. enjoy it for what it is, but use it as a you know as a ground down the road. Like, hey, you know, try this beer instead. we made, or try a beer someone else made. Yeah. You know, we don't make any lagers here just because of the time frame, but Torque makes a you know nice lager. so maybe I would introduce him to that beer instead. Hey, of- this, this is a beer up, so you can use it as a bridge to kind of you know bring them bring, into bring good other stuff. people into it. But I don't know if there's any one beer that's so
0: bad I couldn't drink it. What if, you know? have you ever had like a like I had a bad experience on PBR, so I would never drink a PBR.
1: It, it, due to that bad experience? Due or... to the bad experience. Yeah.
0: Like, last time I came, I no, it wasn't that, it was the time before that. We were just on tour when I do music, so we were on tour yeah. one time, and all of us, this, this first night, we just drank PBR. Then the next day, we had to get up early and get in the van and yeah. drive, and we were all like, uh and it completely ruined the next few shows for me. Yeah. And, um, I just never forgot it. I just, I can't even look at it. So it's
1: more, more exper-
0: experiential than, rather than the product itself. Even though the product itself is trash, I was still, like, sometimes you go to a venue and part of the thing when you're performing is they only have that baby. Yeah, hipster have, yeah. ass bars, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fine, whatever. I just, I would normally have, like, not always happily drank anything, yeah. but sometimes you don't have a choice. But yeah, so because of that experience, and I guess that potentially could be what I would be suggesting, but if you don't have... Any of those, then
1: much respect. No it's beer. Like, like I could speak differently for tequila or soju the screen alcohol yes, there. I have some bad bad memories of those, but different game. Okay. Different game. Much respect.
0: So then what is your favorite beer style overall? So this sometimes lends itself to like go to. Like, you know, if you went to a store, what would you look for first? Ooh,
1: I have to divide this one in two. Um, like my my ultimate favorite style are sour beers. But sour beers don't meet that need of um, that, that satisfying thirst quench you get with beers as well. Like, it's more of a sipping, enjoyable beer. So I'll always gravitate, if, if I'm just talking pure enjoyment, it's sour beers. I love the big exactly. Belgian-style sour beers. But you know, if my, I wanna drink like five or six beers, you know, I'm not necessarily gonna drink that because part of it being outside, it's summer, you wanna have that. So then I'm probably gonna go for the IPAs. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm also a sucker for like more of the kettle sour, so you get the acidity, that's thirst quenching. It's a tough one. It is it's a tough a, one. Yeah. But if I'm just like a pure enjoyment, I'm gonna go for the sours. Sours are gonna be the go-to. Yeah. I feel
0: like yeah, when when you're a sour person, like you're a sour person. Yeah, yeah. It's like one or the other, mm-hmm. like love or hate. Uh, opposite, least favorite. Least it doesn't mean favorite. you hate it it just means it would be
1: like like mine is barley wine i don't hate them i just don't I go for like a like a bock or a doppel or something there's like a real like, maltiness there it's, like i said it's zero sweet too as a child i wouldn't even get birthday cake because i don't really like <laughs> it i would get pie like some sort of like right. rhubarb some acidity there and tart again right so i don't like yeah if i had to pick one i'd like get or a doppelbach interesting yeah okay that's a good one because they have but Yeah, weight. but barley wines too it's like it's they great. I but I'll, I'll happily try them. the big Belgian beers, like the big boozy ones. I'll always try. I like appreciate, appreciate what they are. I will never gravitate toward them myself, nah. though. <laughs>
0: Excuse me. I also feel it's to do with um, those ones, like the ABV. Sometimes, like an eleven percent stout, they're cool, but you can have like this much, and any more, you you're kind of done for. Like, unless just, unless like, you're calling. Oh, you're that's a that's beast, baby. You're a beast, eh? Hey, eleven stouts. you knocking baby. them back, Thank eh? All time. Yeah. 1050 is a serious ass no. beer. Great. Damn. All right. Gangster, Colin. Um, desert Island beer. So, if you're stuck on a desert island, and this is not more so than the favorite style, you gotta drink this one over and over and over forever. People always ask, well, what are the circumstances? A fresh, heady topper? Can I get it delivered? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly perfect circumstances for the beer. So, what would you Ooh. have over and over? So, however you like it, I want a three year age lambic or whatever. So like-
1: I'm not gonna choose any of our beers, just to uh, really level it out. That's okay. I'm going to go with the Briny Melon from Anderson Valley. All right. Briny Melon, it's it's a Watermelon Goza they produce. It's so fucking good. It's like, (laughs) it's just like, it's, you know, it's at, I don't know what it's at, around 4%. It's It's not so watermelon. It almost presents like Watermelon Rindy, Cucumbery. It's like a little salty. It's one of my all-time favorite beers. Definitely Mm -hmm. my top five all-time. Interesting. The Briny Melon. Briny Melon. They they do other good gozes and stuff but the the Briny Melon is the beer. Yeah? Alright. I saw some nodding for Briny Melon.
0: Yeah? That's the nod? Oh, by the way, so we have Steph Jones from uh, Red Truck in the building and Jeremy uh, from... uh, i say Jeremy from Mastership, I don't even want to say that. We just did a uh, little activation today so they're hanging out. So y'all like that same beer? I guess. You know the one? Yeah? You You get Briny
1: Melon out in Alberta? She's in BC. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we don't get it here either, unfortunately. We used to get Anderson Valley beers here. And, yeah. I think, but then it just disappeared. Yeah. yeah. They're,
0: uh, it kind of sucks actually with that. That's a whole other conversation of what beers you can get. Like yeah. we were talking about that earlier, like the laws and stuff. Like it's, it's frustrating. So we talked about this before, beer trend predictions. So if we talked about the hazy stuff, the sour stuff, the, the milkshake IPAs, I yeah. guess as well would be the current one. Uh, do you have anything you think is going to be next?
1: Next one. That's one a tricky that people,
0: one. One thing that people have been saying and I've noticed when I would say, uh, say we went to Vermont, when I'm asking the favorite style, yeah. the number one answer by far is Pilsners and Lagers. And it's by the same people who make the best hazy beers I've ever had in my life. So That, 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 that is I where I was leaning towards.
1: Like the, we've, we've talked about brewing a Pilsner here, I would love to make a good Pilsner. You know, Pilsner is like, I hate to say the IPA of lagers, but it's just one of those things you get, just enough hot yeah, bite in the there, balance. you get the balance. You know, there's some so, so character to yeah. it, right? And it's just like, they're so nice. A dry hot in
0: um, is just...
1: I, I just had one from uh, Firestone Walker recently. Oh, yeah. A little aged, unfortunately... But, you know, like the, the idea was there. Was it a dry hop? A dry,
0: dry hop Pilsner. Bell, Bellwoods in Toronto has one called Paper Tiger. It is by far the best Pilsner I've ever had. But I had one tap at the brewery. They don't bottle it, so they're one of the only ones they don't bottle. And it was incredible.
1: Yeah. So you, you get that balance. You get, you get yeah, the crisp, you get like the bitter, you get some, additional some aroma, of some, some character. You flavor that you kind of
0: want from an IPA or whatever, but you got that in a it, more it, it, crushable it, format.
1: And like. find that delicate balance again, right? It's like, yeah. can, can you balance That's this out? Oh, like the, the lighter the beer is, the, t- the more... Flaws will shine through, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So well, you
0: can't play, can't play with that. Yeah. So you're thinking that as well. You think the that, that's where I'm kind of going. pushing
1: back to the to the loggers and especially the pilsners. Yeah. Excuse me.
0: Okay, I, I definitely feel that. Um, do you have any favorite up and coming breweries? And well, doesn't have to be Winnipeg. I mean, it can be if you want to represent, but it can be from anywhere. Favorite up and coming breweries. So, maybe it doesn't mean they just have to have opened two weeks ago, but like, you know, maybe ones that don't get the, you know, recognition as widely as. Uh...
1: I'm mean, gonna, it's, yes, yeah, n- nowhere here in general. So, it's, it's one down in North Carolina. There's a brewery called Full Steam. Full Steam, okay. Full Steam. Now, I've not had a beer from them I have, like, absolutely loved yet. However, I like what they're doing and I think they're gonna get it yet. They're, They're trying to produce as much. You know beer with local ingredients as possible which is very difficult to do up here in canada especially right here to get everything super local but they're in a position where they can produce everything within a very short radius you know so like every time i head down there it's like i love the vibe there i love what they're talking about the beer when i get there the beer's always like almost there but they're it's one of those things where i feel like they're a super work in progress yeah and they're gonna all of a sudden just dial it in and just like kind of things away yet eventually.
0: I know, Bellwoods for me was that exact same yeah. thing. I, I lived in Toronto back then when they came out and I was like, oh, that's cool. And like literally this year I discovered like, what the hell happened. Like yeah. they weren't doing, not like literally, literally every single one of their beers is hazy, and juicy and like phenomenal, I'm like they weren't that. So I feel like you can never mm-hmm. write a brewery up and that's a really good point. No, absolutely not. There's, there's so
1: up. many variables. You know, it could so be, did you did know, you it that could that be ownership, it <laughs> could be financial, it could be, you know, yeah, just things. The
0: changes it up and stuff. Yeah. I just, yeah, I really think that's really important to them. It's right, anybody up for that? Okay. Um, do you have? A, I, I think I might already know the answer to this. But favorite beer city, destination, or
1: country? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm gonna go with Asheville, Asheville. still. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, part of it's just like familiarity at yeah. this point. And it's yeah. kind of like second home. Then it sounds like it is. It's, it's getting there. Don't spend enough time there, but maybe, maybe yeah. I could be fortunate to retire down there. You, know, and then, you got
0: the uh, up the. Uh, What's the word? You could get a green card. I from
1: think the, so. Yeah, so yeah probably.
0: I'm sure I could. Yeah. Unless our good uh, orange friend changes it. But yeah. You never know. It's a crazy world down there right now. You're yeah. probably better off up here I, for a bit. I, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the time being, things are things are better off up yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Those tricky things like, like North Carolina being a super conservative state generally you know but it's, it's interesting because you have all the big cities so you have all those like you have, you have Asheville, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill very liberal cities actually yeah. but it's the rural areas that are very strict the if i had to pick an upside to those like those type of governments i hate to use the word upside or positive because i don't like them at all but you have less regulation coming in with some of these breweries or restaurants, so you have tons of them popping up. Hmm. You know, because like, it, it's a very, it's difficult, it's been difficult here over the years with government regulation and stuff like that. It's slowly yeah, exactly. loosening, but there when it's, because they don't like government involvement in things, so they kind of pull away, so you get, if, if there was an upside to those type of governments, was, there is something things. So? We're going to get more beer from it. You have to find, have to find to a silver drown lining sorrows. everywhere. Is. Yeah, to drown, drown your sorrows. That's what it's for, right?
0: Yeah. Okay, interesting, that's dope. Uh, underrated style or brewery, city or country? So one of the, doesn't have to be all the above, but uh, if it's... Underrated. So maybe something that's not getting enough love right now. I feel that the most underrated style is probably a black IPA, which is why I'm so yep. fascinated that you made a hazy one. Yeah. Um, Oh, hazy, and it's black, so you can't really make it hazy, I keep saying hazy, but like a northeast style, a fruity one, a non bitter one. Just because I feel like this is such a cool style, and when they're done well, like, they're impeccable. Yeah, yeah. But I just don't think many people even attempt them.
1: Yeah.
0: Is there anything that comes to mind? uh, Or even, like, everyone fronts on, I don't
1: know, Lithuanian beer, I don't know. Lithuanian. I won't say underrated, but I'll I'll tell you a beer that surprised me. I'm going to change the course here a little bit. I had uh, the most surprising beer I've ever had that was really good Mm -hmm. was a lager I had from North Korea. Okay. And it's probably the best Asian beer I've ever had. What was it? Do you remember? Uh, Well, the the name of the beer was Taedong Kang, which means like Taedong is a river and Kang means river in Korean. So what happened was like generally nothing traveled across the border. Um, at the time, my wife was kind of in the area Border, here, north and south, nor, north and south Korea. She was in the demilitarized zone, and there, some things ah, make it across that. there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a beer there that's just like it, it just made it across. She brought it to me, and I was like, Oh, I'm expecting some real solvent y acetone type beer. I tried, it. I'm like, Holy shit, this is really good. Like, we talked about really good pills in there. that balance. Yes. It had that, like, what, what, what happened here? So I looked into it. Now, I'm not 100, I'm taking some liberties with the story I don't know exactly what happened, but it's true ish. I don't know all the details. But essentially what happened was, a lot of times in Asia, they try and mimic things. Like, like hey, we can figure out how to do this. We'll learn how to do it ourselves. Right. You can get some good products, sometimes not. Um, what they did in North Korea is, I think, like, Kim Jong-il, that whole family, they went to a boarding school in Switzerland. Okay. Now, they, there was a brewery that had a beer they loved. I don't know if it was in Switzerland or in England. Somewhere in Europe they loved. They purchased the brewery. And this is how the story goes. Well, I don't know how that much truth there is. They purchased the brewery brick by brick and the brewery moved it over to Pyongyang. Reassemble it with the brewery and like here make us beer. So he started making the beer teaching them to make beer And that's right. how this brewery started and it was surprisingly good. I still I still have the North Korean beer ball at home And you kept it. That's yeah. awesome. That is pretty random a North Korean beer bottle. Yeah, I, I don't think they're up-and-coming or uh, <laughs> Underrated maybe. Underrated. Well, that was the question. <laughs> there we go. The perhaps, underrated. perhaps
0: underrated. North Korean beer
1: they don't Underrated. the world,
0: let's drink their stuff. I'm down for it. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of answered this before, the best beer you ever drank in your life, is that the Michelin? Or is, do you have a better... No, I, I would... the, the, the answer to this question is almost entirely circumstantial in what you said before was exactly what most people say. And it's just, I was on the boat, on this river, and it was hot, and I just went yeah. fishing, and I drank That was beer. the most
1: satisfying. All but if was best. B- best beer ever, oh, I don't know. Might have to bring it back to Wicked Weed again. Like like the Dark Angel, the, the, the sour stout they do is just mind blowing. Oh, man, you kill them so good, this. and I have to get my hands on some. Yeah, I really do. Before, I mean, you can feel good about you know anything coming out now would have been brewed prior to acquisition. So, so get it, you get know, it now. they Get the money. It just they didn't make it. At least they, know they didn't make it. Like hmm. you can. It's like that's, a g- that's guilty. Not guilty pleasure, but you know
0: that kind of like makes it okay for now. Okay. For now, I like that. Then I'm not sure if it's too similar to the Desert Island one, but we always say Death Row beer or meal beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like the final beer. That's a bit morbid, but...
1: I'm okay with it. I like your
0: attitude. Yeah. Always positive, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Always positive. Death it's gonna Row beers. Beer so, well, yeah, beer. There's only a couple I more questions to so it. So, my one, I don't know, I would, like,
1: my sort of favorite beer probably of all time would still have to be Hetty Topper. Um, See, I, I'm, I'm torn in the sense, like, if, if I'm on Death Row and I'm getting a final beer, do, do I go pure enjoyment or do I go so boozy I'm going to numb my senses a little bit before I go into the electric chair? I feel like it could <laughs> be uh, a bit of both. A bit of
0: both. That's tricky. So I'm trying to think what I had for Death Road beer. Someone asked me, and I think I, I was kind of like boring and said Hetty again. I don't know why. I know there's better beers than Hetty. Yeah. But like, maybe I probably would. I might, I'd take a Colin on I'd, or I'd do one of those like... Uh, uh, like there's crazy ass. I don't know. I had that McKella Black that was like seventeen percent. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's bigger ones. You know, Utopias is what twenty eight or something. Yeah, but it's not a beer. I don't it's enjoy brandy, Utopia though. It's, it's fun to try yeah, it's it like, when people have brandy. That's like, brandy. Yeah, that's it is. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, what would I that's do? Not a bad idea. Do you have some sort of like crazy, boozy stout or something like insane that you like ah.
1: I might, might just go for some crazy big stupid like you know brew dog beers. Just gonna just numb me numb a little me a bit, and like and I can go into it not thinking about it too much. <laughs> Is a meal pairing with that maybe you uh, maybe a meal
0: pairing. like a flatbread from Peg Beer Co.
1: No, I wouldn't think too much about the pairing on this one. Yeah, no? maybe some like Korean fried chicken or some. Okay. No, yeah. Nothing from North Korea specifically. Is no, it North I, Korean? I. I don't know how they do fried chicken. in North Korea. I've never, never had their fried <laughs> but chicken, had it. but but their beer's okay. Their beer's great. So oh, that was it. actually really good answer. I shouldn't say great, North Korea. but yeah. Well, like they,
0: it was solid enough to surprisingly good. That was the question. Yeah. So. Okay.
1: Uh, favorite style to brew. Ooh. Let me go back to the sours again. There's that real unpredictability there, and then enticement. So you, you brew the beer. And then you have to wait. You know, it's like, you know, like six. Like, not even kettle. I'm six, guessing. yeah, like big sours. Like so you're, proper sours. Proper yeah. sour. So you're talking six, eight months. before first start seeing some character. And then you get to that point where it's like, right. oh, it's delicious. but it now. Oh, is, so it, I that's just it. is it? Is it, it going to keep going? Do I. And then you start dividing, them, right? Some bread in there. Oh, you can, right? So you, so split you, them you, up. you pull yeah. aside keg, it'll, it'll never move as fast as other beers. Right, so you move part of it in a keg. Excuse me. The beer's kind of. Yeah, make me nearly a whole. So you're moving it on. To, you, you put it on tap. Take half of it aside. Put it on fruit. Blend yes. it. Blend it with some other words. Add some extra like bread, some extra lacto like. Let's just say it's always a work in progress, right? Yeah. So it's
0: always evolving and depends where you go with it. That's a good point. That really yeah. fun. But like you said, it could be astronomically incredible, but it could just be a disaster
1: and a drain pool. Yeah, I mean, like or you, could or you and then you divide it and you like you know you, you drink save this and and, like it's like oh like, should I have kept this and like it gets better I'm like oh I should I have saved all of it yeah, or like it in oh a, it's a barrel. barrel. But, yeah. yeah, so it's. Kind of almost stressful. Yeah, that'd be my favorite one. It's difficult because you're always waiting and a little impatient, but that's the where you get, a, you get cool. to a point where you have a cycle going. So you're never thinking about the beer you're making. You're thinking about the beer you made eight months ago at that point. So you start trying those barrels and trying some of those samples. And Interesting. That's good. It's the yeah. uh, the it's, it's always a surprise. It's like opening a gift every time. You don't quite know what's going to be in each barrel <laughs> yeah. kind of a thing.
0: And It's the uh, crazy life of a sour beer producer. It's yeah. uh, out of control. Uh, the last question on this was the worst beer you've ever made, which now I think of it as kind of not really a negative question. It's supposed to be funny, but it's the last one. I, I haven't asked this. Is, I just added this the other day, so yeah. I haven't uh, asked anyone yet. Is there anything like some people, like, like you said, you've experimented with stuff, and sometimes you think it's going to be a great idea, and it just doesn't turn the, out.
1: The worst beer I ever made was uh, probably the very first beer I ever made. Now, That's fair. you know, it started with a kit beer. We brewed the, brew the stout, you know, followed the instructions-ish. Ish. You know, brewed it, put it into a carboy, put an airlock. It was a brewed to a friend of mine. And uh, he put this carboy in his house. He was going to, like, look after it. All those things. He's like, yeah, it's not quite ready. It's not quite yet. We just let it go for a long time. A not, of... the, not the two weeks it needs. Like, oh, way longer. Yeah. Way longer. It's just because you don't know better. There's like so much conflicting information out there. What do you do? Even we... now, there is though. Like, it's we... crazy. It sat for a couple months. Oh, wow. we came back to it, and the beer was awful. You know, we we opened up because like the, the airlock had gone completely dry. I found it after the fact. He was holding the carb in his bathtub. You know, so God knows what got into this oh. beer. So, uh, and he's using the shower. You <laughs> so. oh, no, I, I never questioned that. I don't think he showered it on the beer, but he must have moved it like onto the floor of the bathroom. You know what? No, sorry. They, they had two. They had two showers there. Okay, so it would have been the. That two, that two there. That's still gross. So it, it's gross, and it's just like well, you know, you're young. As I said, this is probably like closer to that 14, 15 years ago. Now. So you, yeah. so we're doing this. We open it up. We're bottling it. It smells kind of funny. Like, oh, I guess it'll change. I don't know. We followed instructions. Did you bottle it or did you keg it? I bottled it. I it. And it, was, oh, it was awful. I mean, you couldn't, <laughs> couldn't even drink it. It was just like. Yeah. No good. Yeah, I guess that's,
0: that's uh, you come a long way, you know? <laughs> I hope so, yeah. It's, it's actually good to give, like, the first homebrew we ever, I've already mean, done, like, 20, I'm pretty yeah. new at it, but, like, the first one we ever did was really good, and it was an extract kit and everything, but it was interesting that you did a terrible one, and now you are. The
1: first all-grain batch you did course. was outstanding, and then, I was like, outstanding, outstanding, although they started tanking, I couldn't figure out why, it took, like, to learn, like, unlearn a few bad habits I had, because you take it for granted. You get really you get arrogant. Extract. You get oh, well, with extract was like All grain. Yeah, well. So, you get very first all yeah. Extract before that, then all grain almost right away. I think I only brewed every two or three kit beers ever, and then all grain. Totally. So you know, and you, and you all get All grain needs so much more room for error. And the first one, you're so particular, following every instruction, making sure you get every temperature. And the beer turns are pretty good, but you get arrogant a little bit. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. things kind of crash down on you a bit, and then you. you get a bit cocky, and you get to come back up, tie it up your process, just
0: read John Palmer's book again. No, exactly. It's just the Bible. It,
1: right is, right? it is, it is, it is
0: interesting okay fantastic man that was uh that was everything i had today so it was fun was, man i
1: really appreciate your time Thank i appreciate you so it much. as well where can you online for you can anyone find you or like i'm a dinosaur know? i'm not really online so you can you can look up all the peg beer colin can influence uh, talk to us about peg Very, Beer. is that is that peg Beer co because someone rubbed out the O. The,
0: uh, the yeah so uh hit up at peg beer co on instagram facebook and twitter this is really convenient no one's ever done this before. And it's like right there. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, and hit up Colin, tell him how pretty he is and uh, come see Scott and Colin here at uh, Peg Beer Co. Um, it's fantastic. The food is incredible. Uh, Winnipeg is going to be the place to be. I see what you're saying. It's getting I think there. It's like, we're going like to get there. New, like wild west of beer. Like it's literally kind of Midwest it's this whole new place that's uh let's well, say nice. we're off
1: the radar so to get yeah. on the radar we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to be outstanding right and that's that's the goal for everyone it's everyone a matter here, of so.
0: time I'm, I'm excited for you guys i mean being like that like three years past and you know this new brewery, i mean like in three years being six new breweries probably isn't a ton the fact that but really it's, really
1: it's big and those six new in like one you said, it was in the
0: one year i'm sorry yeah. i guess from from the time, from that the time that you've been here in, there, in yeah. the space of that one year and uh everything i've had so far has been super solid and i feel like it's almost like maybe where ontario was a few years ago Mm -hmm. and it won't be long until it's uh you know in its whole whole new stratosphere into itself so i look forward to coming back Mm -hmm. and seeing how you guys are going um so that's it guys if you enjoyed the episode uh on youtube give us a thumbs up hey yeah. Thumbs up and subscribe on YouTube. Uh follow us on social media at BAOS Podcast. And if you enjoy these long ass conversations, mm-hmm. uh check us out on um Apple Podcasts, almost at iTunes, they changed it, confusing everybody. It's Apple Podcasts <laughs> now. Uh review, rate, subscribe, all that nonsense. And uh that's about it guys. Cheers. Thanks again, bro. Thank you very much. Cheers.